Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, as another reminder that it is, in fact, 2020, we are now doing a second preview podcast for the Broncos and New England Patriots. Yeah, it's the uh, Broncos versus Patriots, the remix. It's the remix edition, hot and fresh out the kitchen. I don't know how or, much further, further I can go it, with that. In, in homage of Hot Shots, it's Broncos Patriots part du. Part du. Part du. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah, um, we've complained about the NFL. We've complained about the way that this has been handled. Uh, you know, if you didn't, if if you didn't listen to the last show, check it out. We definitely got into it, but it is, it is frustrating, but I will say this, and I, we didn't talk about this, uh, before we started recording, but this just kind of popped into my head. I, I actually appreciate, um, the way that Vic Fangio, uh, sort of put it into perspective. And I thought it was interesting because, uh, he got sort of blown up by some national media people, uh, ESPN in particular, people who don't know how to read or listen to a quote uh, fully and understand the context of it. Uh, but then he put it into, into real perspective in his uh, interview with Peter King on Peter King's was a Monday morning quarterback or whatever he calls it. So uh, just to kind of lay it out there for you, he talked about uh, COVID and he said, you know, this is where we're going to find out who the whiners are, the whole thing. Uh, and then he he discussed it with Peter King a little further and talked about how his daughter had COVID uh, and she had to battle through it. And he talked about some of the symptoms and how he was glad that she had survived. And it was sort of uh, one of those things where he was able to take what is happening in the NFL and what is specifically happening to his team and give it a more human quality, right? He brought a little humanity, a little empathy to it. And so as frustrating as this is for fans for the team for the players for the coaches for everybody involved you put it into perspective and you understand that this is still something that is uh affecting people's lives it is still having a huge impact on the country and and he he really did a nice job of putting that into perspective now whether the national media is going to pick up on that and they're going to you know he's going to get an apology from jay williams uh from espn I, i doubt that but at least from my perspective it felt like he did a really good job of, of simply putting out there, look, this is the world we live in. And, uh, you know, some of us are lucky to be here and we're going to appreciate that more than to be angry about the little things that cause us to have these inconveniences. I appreciate that. And I respect that a lot more than I think a lot of people gave him credit for when the, when that first quote came out. And I appreciated the first quote because it's, it's kind of like that Bill Belichick mantra where suck it up and do your job. And I, I think it's important that he brings that human element to it, but it also doesn't change the fact that his team got screwed over by the national football league because they did not have a positive test. The Patriots did. And the Patriots got treated with kid gloves instead of being more severely punished or punished at all. Cause they didn't. 
all that, that we touched on this on the prior podcast. The only thing the Patriots lost was their bye week. That's it. Four other teams got more screwed over than the Patriots did. Now, I totally see why Vic Fangio wants his players to just deal with it, bring that human element to it. But it also highlights the fact how poorly the NFL has handled this. To not be prepared for teams or players having tested positive and just throwing stuff against the wall to see if it'll stick on the postponements and having to fix your schedule. But that's water under the bridge at this point. I, I definitely, as I said, as you said, appreciate Vic Fangio bringing that human element to it. And I, I totally get the people who say, miss me with having to have your schedule flipped around based on everything that's happening in the country. But at the same point, it wasn't handled well. And that's what we're saying. Yeah, and, and it's a legitimate gripe, right? It's not like we're looking at this and saying something that isn't legitimate. It is a legitimate sort of complaint here that the Denver Broncos are the team that gets screwed over and the New England Patriots, as is the way uh, in the NFL, uh, continually get sort of, I guess, the 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 fair the unfair treatment the lucky treatment right they get they get sort of passed over for any real punishments or anything like that I mean you can go through the history of the New England Patriots over the course of the last twenty years and identify moments in their team history where there should have been some sort of punishment meted out for something that they did and no punishment was really given and I know people are going to say oh Deflategate was a huge overreaction blah 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 really. Is that is that really the case? It was a huge overreaction. Did it? Did they lose any games because of it? Did, I mean, they lost about a draft pick. They don't draft well anyway, so who cares? I, I just I think that what we are saying, and and it's important that we make sure we sort of make this understandable here. What we are saying is that it's it's just sort of par for the course for the NFL and the way that the the New England Patriots continue to get away with things while other teams. Do not get away with them. And we are not downplaying the coronavirus and the effect that it has on the people who get it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how the NFL handles the New England Patriots in a way that is seemingly different than the way that the NFL handles any other team in the NFL. And that is frustrating. And now we can actually talk about the game. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, so let's talk about the game. So I guess the thing that we have to think about is what has changed, right? So what has changed from the way the game was going to look last week to the way the game is going to look this week, from week five to week six? I think the biggest thing is Drew Locke is probably going to be the starting quarterback because he wasn't going to play on the Monday night or before it got moved to Monday, and not Monday night, Monday afternoon. He wouldn't have played Sunday afternoon. So now the fact that it has been pushed back a week, I think it's more than likely that we're going to see Drew Locke back on the field. Not only that, I think it's potential for K.J. Hamler to be on the field. Noah Fant, uh, Philip Lindsay was probably going to play anyway. Now he's had another week to get over his turf toe. And on, def- on, and on defense, 
AJ Boye is has at least another week now to get back on the field from his shoulder injury that he suffered on the opening Monday night game when it really was Monday night. So it actually ends up being something of a silver lining, right? I mean, I think that's really what you have to do here. At this point, it's, it's like you said, it's water under the bridge, right? We have to move on and we have to try and identify the, the good with the bad here. Well, the good here is we're going to get back on the Drew train a little bit. The Denver Broncos are going to be able to continue to watch and look and evaluate Drew Locke and develop Drew Locke and and see what they have in him. And uh, whether they win or lose this game, uh, at this point to me, is almost unimportant. I mean, I'm rooting for them to win. I obviously want them to win. But it's it's got to be more about what do we have in Drew Locke and can he stay healthy? I think that's something that, even though I think his injuries have all been sort of freak injuries, you still have to evaluate that. Uh, and he's got some weapons that he's going to be able to to turn to in, in Noah Fant and K.J. Hamler and Philip Lindsay and obviously Melvin Gordon still on the field. So to me, with a, an improved offensive line, we've, we've talked a little bit about the offensive line, especially Garrett Bowles being better. This is the time when they can really start to look at Drew Locke and, and really evaluate whether or not he's going to be the guy for the next several years. And the truth is, if you look at this AFC West, and Jeff Essery had a great tweet about it, uh, you know, De- Broncos country watching uh, the quarterbacks in the AFC West perform well this week, and it was uh, uh, the baby being dragged by the carousel. How fitting it was a carousel dragging the baby. It It's one of those things where we as fans are just, we are starved for a good quarterback, and we need a quarterback that's going to compete with the Patrick Mahomes and the Justin Herberts of the world, and even, dare I say, Derek Carr? Really? Well, the way he played against the Chiefs. If if the Broncos are are the team with the worst quarterback in the AFC West coming out of this season, that's going to be pretty disappointing because of all the hype around this team heading into 2020. So this is the start, right? I think at this point you sort of wipe the slate clean a little bit this is the start of the season. This is the start of Drew Locke's season. Can he perform? Can he turn things around a little bit and make it look like this team can be competitive moving forward? This is the week that it's going to start, and hopefully it starts out well and can continue throughout the rest of the season. There's a flip to all that, too. The Patriots were probably going to be without quarterback Cam Newton and cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Now both of them are more than likely going to play on Sunday. And that's a problem. Because <laughs> that's a problem. I agree. <laughs> I I mean, it'll help tremendously to have AJ Boye back. If he plays, hopefully Mike Purcell is able to play. Hopefully Jeremiah Tachu is able to play. I will see if some of these other guys who have been dinged up defensively are able to get back, but this is going to be a, this is going to be a tough, a, a tough ask. For the Broncos, we've talked. We touched on last time we previewed this game, the defense that New England has and what it did to the Chiefs. Now you're bringing in Drew Locke, who's been on the shelf since he got hurt against Pittsburgh. It's it's going to be very interesting. I it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge for the Broncos offense to be able to do some of the things that 
they want to be able to do. So that this is it's the first chance that Drew Locke is going to have to go against Bill Belichick. I know he has the confidence and the belief in himself, and it's going to motivate him, I think. I'm curious to see how he responds to it. Yeah, it's a big moment for Drew Locke. Uh, and Drew, Drew Locke is, is probably going to be one in a long line of, and I, I think if you look back through the history of the Patriots and what they have done to young quarterbacks, even quarterbacks by the name of Patrick Mahomes, who uh, we've talked about before as being, to me, Every time I see him play, I'm just my my mind is just just blown up at his ability, uh, and and it sort of makes me forget that he likes ketchup on his steak. But the real quick that State Farm commercial that just, he does with Aaron Rodgers, I I love because he's he's making fun of himself. Oh yeah, he like, just he's putting all the ketchup that that he has. He's like, wait, do you guys want some? <laughs> I, I thought it, that that was per I hate those commercials, but that was pretty good. That, that one was solid. And anytime somebody's willing to to make fun of themselves for something that that they know people kind of think is stupid, it, it endears you to them a little bit, right? A little self-deprecation goes a long way there. But it, it is it is something that when you look at what Bill Belichick does against young quarterbacks, it's a, a pretty high success rate. And that's going to be the hurdle that uh, that Drew Locke has to to jump over in this game. And not only that, you talked about Stephon Gilmore. If I'm not mistaken, he's your reigning defensive player of the year. So, you know, he's he's a solid cornerback. Am I wrong about that? I feel like I saw that somewhere. He He's more than solid. He's very he's good. Solid guy. So it's not going to be an easy – Welcome back to the season. Here you can play, you know, the Miami Dolphins, who apparently are good. I don't know what happened with that. But, you know, here's here's a bad team it's for Fitz you. It's magic, baby. I know, that's true. It is Fitz magic. But it, it is it is not going to be a welcome back to the NFL in an easy way. It's going to be here's a little baptism by fire for you because Bill Belichick don't mess around. And while we're excited to have Drew Locke back and we talk about, you know, the return of Noah Fant, the return of KJ Hamler, perhaps maybe you're getting you know enough weapons back that they can compete. You, you still have you still have to overcome what it what Bill Belichick is able to do as a head coach with his defense as they put together a game plan against Drew Locke, who is a very young and and sort of unexperienced quarterback. Inexperienced, unexperienced, terrible English. And I think. While the I, my my key to the game from last preview is still the same, it hasn't changed. I still think they need to win the turnover battle. Now that Cam Newton is playing, the defensive line has to be able to create pressure, but the edges have to hold containment because Cam Newton is going to be able to get out and make plays because Von Miller isn't there. He's going to be like, oh, I'm playing the Broncos, and Von Miller is not here. That's going to be different. I wish Von Miller was playing. Well, it's always nice when a when a father and son duo can get on the field, even when they're competing against each other. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to see when a dad can get out there and really, you know, help his son grow as a football player, which is something that I think Cam Newton needs a little bit from his father. So that's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to get pressure, but also hold containment because. He'll get out of the pocket. He'll make plays. He'll run. That's what he does. And it's been successful at this point for New England and Josh McDaniels with how they've utilized it and brought it in from that change from Tom Brady to Cam Newton. Uh, 
So that's going to be one of the things that I keep an eye on. I, I think if A.J. Boye is able to go again, I think it's huge for the secondary because now you're not going to be asking so much of those younger cornerbacks that they have been forced to do the last couple of weeks with him, with Boye being out. So now you're going to have Boye, you're going to have Callahan. Devontae Bosby, I thought, played incredibly well against the Jets. I think he's going to be your nickelback going forward. But you still have Michael Ojemudier, who is there, who I, I, I think has shown that he has a great potential to be a very good player for the Broncos. I, After the way he played against Pittsburgh, he's really put it on himself and responded. And yes, he's been picked on by quarterbacks. That's going to happen. But at the same point, he hasn't had some of those issues that he had against the Steelers. So I, I, I'm, that's, I think the secondary has potential to surprise people. But to me, it's all about getting pressure on Cam Newton and then creating turnovers because, to me, that is still the key to the game. The Broncos are at the bottom of the National Football League with two turnovers. They've created two turnovers. Yuck. Yeah, I just got like a bad taste in my mouth when you said that. That was gross. Yeah, it's like when you eat like something like almost metallic. That's what that felt like to me. That was gross. I didn't enjoy that. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with my key to the game, and, and I think that um, it may be sort of an obvious one. Mine's going to shift a little bit. My key to the game is just Drew Locke in general, right? It's how Drew Locke plays. And I know that that's a bit of a cop-out and maybe a little bit cliche, but there there is no doubt that in the NFL – as goes your quarterback, so goes wins and losses. And I'm not saying that QB wins is a stat because I don't want people to yell at me about that. But the teams that have good quarterbacks have a tendency to win games, and the teams that have bad quarterbacks have a tendency to lose games. That's why it's such an important position. So the key to the game is going to be Drew Locke and his ability to dissect this Bill Belichick defense and sort of figure out what he can take from the defense. And, and one of the things that's important in the NFL is being willing to take what is given to you by the defense. And, and I will point to the Monday night game between the uh, New Orleans Saints and, and the Los Angeles Chargers. And Drew Brees, who struggled in the first half, was able to make the adjustments. And at the end of that game, even though it ended up going into overtime and, and really only because of a couple of missed kicks, and I can hear people yelling at me about that as well, Drew Brees adjusted and just took what was given to him by that defense. And if you can give, if you can take what's given to you and make that work, then you have a shot at winning almost any game. And it's gonna, it's on the quarterback to make those decisions. If the quarterback decides that they need to take more than is there for them, then usually defenses are able to capitalize on that. And a Bill Belichick defense. With Stephon Gilmore, the reigning defensive MV, uh, defensive player of the year, I looked it up. Don't worry. And that what he does, that's not a time when you want Drew Locke saying, "I'm going to try and take this from you." How about you just, you know, here's what's given to you, and we'll and let's make that work. That's what he has to do to be successful in this game. I don't know how much is going to be given to him. Like I don't, I don't know that Bill Belichick is going to have too many areas on the field that are just going to be ripe for the picking for Drew Locke. But whichever spot it is, he's got to find it and he's got to make it work. And if he can do that, if he can lead the offense that way, they might be able to keep up with this offense. Because the the one thing I will say is that the Denver Broncos defense is still 
the Denver Broncos defense. Is it as good as the 2015 defense? No, get out of here with that. But it's not the worst defense. It's actually still pretty good. So minus the turnover. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was trying to trying to avoid having to to mention that, but I you know I guess that's part of the whole picture. But if you can just sort of limit what the Patriots do on offense, maybe maybe Drew Locke can lead the Broncos offense and and get some points and steal some opportunities. That's that's really all you can ask of him and that's really the key to the game here for them. And that's where it's important that Pat Shermer puts Drew Locke in the offense in a position to have success. He needs to put a game plan that allows Drew Locke to be able to pick his spots. There's only so much Drew Locke can do. That's why it's so important to have an offensive coordinator and a game plan that plays to the strengths of your team, but also takes advantage of the weaknesses that the other team has. And Bill Belichick, for the evil genius that he is, he's not perfect. His defense, his defenses do have weaknesses. And yes, there is Stephon Gilmore, but that secondary isn't going to be able to cover every single weapon that the Denver Broncos have. More than likely, Gilmore will line up on Jerry Judy, but there's still Tim Patrick. There is still KJ Hamler, potentially. There's still Noah Fant, potentially. There's still Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay out of the backfield. That's where it's imperative that Pat Shermer live up to the moment and match Bill Belichick. And if he's able to do that, that's what will allow Drew Locke to have success. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge ask, by the way. I don't think there's anybody listening that doesn't think that if you took Pat Shermer and said, okay, you're against Bill Belichick, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, you're going to pick Bill Belichick to win that matchup. Just need one, though, right? You, you only need one. Any given Sunday. Oh, there it is. Is that the any given Sunday bell? Did we hear that? Yep, the cliche is out there. Drink. Drink, that's right. All right, so that being said, what are, who are our players to watch? Um, I'll, I'll let you start. Let's go defense first. I'm going to go with Bradley Chubb. There's been a lot of talk since he's back from his ACL tear that, well, he, he's he's in the bust territory. It takes a while for guys to come back from a knee surgery, like an ACL. It takes time. And I, this is another example of, immediacy we want it right now right now no patience we saw flashes of it throughout the season but the stat book watchers wanted sacks well Bradley Chubb finally got some sacks the last time the Broncos played which feels like 84 years ago now against the Jets I want to see how he's how he does against Cam Newton and the Patriots. I want him, I want to see if Bradley Chubb can take the mantle of being Cam Newton's daddy from Von Miller. Yeah, or maybe his uncle. Like he could be his uncle, right? Is that how that there works? You go. Yeah, he could be Cam Newton's uncle, which is weird because he's younger than Cam Newton. It's, it's always a little strange, but that happens, right? There are a lot of uncles out there who are younger than their nieces and nephews. Uh, I'm going to actually go. Uh, with maybe a bit of a surprise, but I'm going to go with Alexander Johnson. And I think that one of the things that you see in the NFL is the importance of an individual player who really sets up the defense. And we've talked about uh, Justin Simmons in this role before and how important he is. But A.J. Johnson, to me, has to become the guy, right? He has to become the guy who really sets the defense up. He's been 
good, but not great. He's been he's been uh, sort of a poor man's replacement for Al Wilson. That's not to not to say that he's not been a, a good player at times, but we've been craving a middle linebacker as good as Al Wilson since well Al Wilson left. So it would be nice if he could start to live up to that a little bit. He's been good. I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't been. But there's another level that he's got to get to to make this defense really, really click, right? To really run well. You need a middle linebacker and a Vic Fangio defense to really make it work perfectly. And so this is an opportunity for him in a big spot where the Broncos could make some real noise. This is an opportunity for him to step up and be the catalyst for that and set that defense up for success and limit the damage that Cam Newton can do with that offense. And if he can do that and keep the Broncos in the game, then it then it sort of limits what Drew Locke has to do on offense and makes his life a little bit easier as well. So I'm, I'm kind of looking to Alexander Johnson to step into a leadership role here just as much as just playing well. There's a, there's a, there's a double-edged sword for him in this particular game, in my opinion. Offense? I think that's... I think that, well, before we get to the offense, sure. this is where it's important to point out how well Josie Jewell played against the Jets. He perhaps played his best game as a pro. And I took some flack for not putting him in my winners-losers list on the winners list, which I totally, totally understand. But to my, to my um, defense, it was late. It was very late. Oh, it was ridiculously late. It's hard to – can we just say – it's hard to be up at like midnight recording a podcast after an entire day's worth of work. And sometimes you're going to miss a couple things. It's okay. We're not perfect. We're infallible. We're not infallible. We're fallible at times. More so than maybe others. But it, I, I think Josie Jewell can help Alexander Johnson. If Josie Jewell is able to play the way he did against the Jets and that come that becomes consistent, that can help Alexander Johnson get even better as well because then they can play off of each other. It's a, it's a really good point. Offense? Offensive, <laughs> offensively, I, I, I'm going to go with Drew Locke. I mean, I, you have to. I mean, it's this is this was going to be the year that everyone in Broncos country is on the Drew train. And now there's going to be even more pressure given what Justin Herbert is doing with the Los Angeles Chargers. And you mentioned Drew Brees taking advantage – of the opportunities that he had against that Chargers defense, so did Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert took advantage of the opportunities against that Saints defense. So on top of Patrick Mahomes, on top of the mascara-wearing quarterback in Las Vegas, now that puts – now with Herbert, there's added pressure now, maybe not from anywhere else. Maybe it's not going to be Drew Locke, but – there's going to be external pressure because they want to see if he can be on that level. And the, and the way to do it is to stay on the field. And it's not his fault. I think the injuries that he had have been fluke. But as you always say, the best, ava- the best ability is availability. And he needs to stay on the field. Yeah, it, it, has, been, it has been the hardest thing to watch him uh, because in those five games in 2019, when he came back, it was, if nothing else, exciting. And, and that, that's something that Broncos country needed. We needed that injection of excitement. And and he brought that. And 
it carried over into this season, even through all of the pandemic stuff and, and all of the concerns about is the season even going to be played and what's going to happen if this and what goes on if that. If nothing else, we all had that in our mind that this was the season of Drew Locke. This was when the Drew train was really going to take off and we were all going to be able to watch the beginning of something special. And we that got put on hold, right? That that I'm not going to say the train got derailed, but it certainly stopped, right? It certainly had to come to a, come to a standstill for a while. And if it stays sort of where it is, if there's never any improvement or if, if nothing ever changes, it, it just feels like more of the same for the Broncos. Uh, and, and it, that's going to be frustrating. As far as my player to watch, since since you you got Drew Locke there, I think that uh, the the other player to watch in this is really going to be Jerry Judy. I, I know that uh, Tim Patrick is going to kind of slide into that role of uh, you know what Cortland Sutton is supposed to be, even though he's injured and and out for the season. But if Stephon Gilmore is going to follow Jerry Judy around. I'm curious to see if Jerry Judy can do Jerry Judy things with Stefan Gilmore on him. That is that is a, a matchup that I'm I'm actually interested in, fascinated in watching because if Jerry Judy is is going to really start to come into his own, this would be the type of game where he could break out and he could become that player that we have, that we talked about in the offseason as well, the hyped up number one draft pick who's going to get out there and not just be a, a workout freak, but be a freak on the field during games. Because to this point, he's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. This could be one of those games where, I, I'm, this is my hope, that he breaks out as, as as well as Drew Locke. Because if they can break out together against a Bill Belichick defense, that 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 will alleviate some of our concerns, right, moving forward. If the two of them can play well in this game, uh, that has been postponed and given them a chance to be on the field together against one of the best defensive coaches in the history of the NFL. And I think this is, I'm going to add another player to this. It's another rookie. And that's uh center Lloyd Cushenberry. He's had moments where he's been really bad, but he's also had his moments where he's been good. And I want to see him start taking those next steps to be consistently good and learning from the things that he did poorly early in the season. And this is going to be perhaps his stiffest challenge at this point, going against the Bill Belichick defense with the ways that his defense gets pressure on quarterbacks. If Lloyd Cushenberry is able to start to make those progressions to be a consistently great center, that's going to help Drew Locke and in turn help Jerry Judy. So that's that something to keep an eye on this week is – Lloyd Cushenberry and the other the other two parts of that interior line, Dalton Reisner and Lamb Grasgow, who, to be frank, haven't been that great to start the season. Yeah, Graham Glasgow has been a disappointment, and Dalton Reisner has, uh, in a word, regressed. And, and I think that uh, that's your sophomore slump right there for Dalton Reisner. Guys get tape on you; they start to figure out figure you out. But th- this far into the season, he's got to step up his game. He's got to step up. He's got to become the Dalton Reisner of his rookie year uh, or else things are just going to continue to be a struggle on offense for sure. Uh, do you have a bold pr- – I don't know that I really have a bold prediction for this game. I was trying to think of something to get sort of crazy with. I, I don't have one. I-, I just don't have anything that makes me go, ooh, I think this really big crazy thing might happen. I got nothing. 
Mine is since I do sports betting for uh, a job. I'm going to say my bold prediction because I have a feeling with Cam Newton and Gilmore being back. I think the line is going to probably end up being around nine. I think the Broncos are going to end up being a plus nine underdog. I think the Broncos will cover. Ooh, okay. I actually, I actually think that that sort of plays well into my uh, score prediction. So I'm not going to give you a bold prediction, but I'll jump into score predictions, and I'm I'm going to sort of mirror that a little bit. Uh, I I cannot pull the trigger on a Denver Broncos win here. I I can't do it. it. They're traveling. They they sort of missed out on a bye week. I know they're getting some players back, but then I think that help, that sort of hurts with chemistry a little bit on the field. I'm I'm not really sure I can get into that. I am going to stick to my number 37 though. Because I feel like that's something that I want—I was really hopeful to kind of let that ride another week. Remember, I picked that the Broncos would score 37 against the Jets. Nailed it. Uh, so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna adjust my score just a little bit. I think that the Broncos probably give the New England Patriots a tough game here, but they falter in the end. I'm going 21-16, uh, New England, but in a in a hard-fought game where I think it's really more back and forth uh, than people are are thinking it's going to be. And mine, I was originally going with 27-13. I'm going 27-23. I think that's where the Broncos are able to cover because it'll be right there. And whether or not the Broncos are driving late to potentially go for the winning score or not, I won't go that far. But they'll have a chance. They'll be in contention with this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. But – I do think the Broncos are going to make it close, as you said. I think they're going to be able to make it a game. I'm going with 27-23 Patriots. There you go. So, all right. So, let's do this. We're going to take a little quick break here. When we come back, we'll preview the AFC West. We'll do a quick whip around the league, see what games we want to watch, and then we'll wrap things up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Ian, so let's let's do a quick look at the AFC West, which will be a quick look because there's only one AFC West team to look at, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs in what, what could be one of the most exciting games. The Chiefs at 4-1 and one will be playing on a weird Monday afternoon game at 4 o'clock Central Time is what I have here, so 3 o'clock Mountain Time uh, on Fox or apparently Amazon or the NFL network. I'm just looking at the TV stuff here and uh, the chiefs will be playing the bills, the four and O Buffalo bills led by one Ooh. Josh Allen. By the time you listen to this, we'll have played the Titans on a Tuesday. It's so confusing. There's no Thursday game because there's a Tuesday game, but there is a Tuesday game that, that could mean that it's the four and one bills but it would still be a very interesting game. I have to let, let's just make sure everybody knows what they could be looking at uh, come Monday, come next Monday, October October nineteenth. But I, I think that's a, a pretty fascinating game. Even if the Bills lose, I, I think that ends up being a pretty fascinating game. 
I want to have a bold prediction on Uh-oh. the schedule. Oh, I like the, it. The bill, the Bills will beat the Titans. So by the time you listen to this, I'll either have egg on my face or eating egg. But I think the Bills will have beaten the Titans, and they will go into that game against the Chiefs undefeated at five and zero, and they're going to beat the Chiefs. Whoa. Okay, I was, I was waiting for the bold part of that prediction. I was kind of like, I was like, yeah, they'd probably beat the Titans. I'm with you on that. And then beat the Chiefs. Chiefs coming off a loss to a division rival at home. I, I don't know if I can go with you on that. I I, I hope that you're right because I hate the Chiefs and I want them to w- lose another game and lose all of their games at all times. I, I'm not sure I'm on the Bills bandwagon quite yet. I, I am... I am I am fine with eating a little Josh Allen crow. You and I both sort of uh, will have to do that at some point. I, I'll take a taste of it now uh, and just say that he's darn good. Um, I, I just don't. I don't know that I see. I don't know that I see the Chiefs losing to the Bills. But I guess we'll find out. And even if the Bills are defeated, as in they have one loss, this game still ends up being a pretty exciting game. And to me, the other, I think the the best game of the week. Is going to be the Browns at the Steelers. You'll have the four and one Browns going against the four and zero Steelers, and this is fascinating to me. The Steelers haven't started four and zero since nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, that was I saw that stat. That's I mean, you would have thought in that amount of time they've they've won some Super Bowls since then. They've been uh, they've been to AFC Championship games. They lost to the Broncos in some AFC Championship games. They beat the Broncos in some AFC Championship games. We don't have to go into it too much. But not really. This, this is the first time they've been four and zero since '79. I mean, that means in my lifetime, because I was born in 1980, the the Pittsburgh Steelers have only been four and zero once, and it's just now, like right now. We're we're living in that time now. This is now. That's Weird. a spaceballs reference. Yeah, I did. I went with the space. I I got into it, and I was like, oh, I know where I am. I can do this joke, and I did the joke. I was now. It was now. This is now. That was then, and this is now. Well, let me steal it and bring it. We can use a Spaceballs reference for the Broncos and the Patriots. At last, we meet for the first time for the last time. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.